uh, uh, as we continue with our uh, With All Your Heart series. So let's do that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight and ask him to help us. Lord, we sure do love you tonight, and thank you for the privilege, Lord, to assemble together here tonight, to open your word, to, to Lord, to look at this fundamental truth. What does it mean to love you, to love thy Lord God with all thy heart? I pray as we continue through the series, starting to learn those pieces, putting each one together. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to, uh, to, to learn principles that would help us to do that very thing. Because it is the greatest and first commandment in your word. So help us learn how to do it. In Jesus' name, we pray. All right. If you remember, last week we were uh, kind of the introduction, if you would, to this whole series, With All Your Heart. And we looked at that greatest commandment in all the word of God where Jesus answered the Pharisees and he said to them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. That's the first and great commandment. Other places over in Luke and Mark as well, the exact same truths were put out every single time they recorded. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. You notice that was in every one of them. Sometimes one said with your mind or with all your strength, but the heart was in every single one of them. So what does that mean? What's the Word of God trying to teach us when it comes to the idea of, of loving the Lord God with all our heart? Well, last week we decided to, uh, as we kind of got into the series, we better first understand what's the word heart mean, right? What does the word heart mean in Scripture? And so we spent time looking at that. We saw in Scripture it was used, it was the most used word over a thousand times it was used in Scripture. And, and we looked up a bunch of verses and we saw the, the crucial role, if you would, of the heart when it comes to things and what we treasure and into our speech and, and our inner beauty. And the heart even plays a role in our, in our repentance and our faith and our service and our daily walk, our obedience, our worship and our love. We, we, looked up a ver we looked at verses that supported all that last week. And, and we saw that the heart was not only the most used word, we also talked about it was the most misused word as well. So many times we think of the heart, we think of not just the physical organ, but the way we use it in the world today, which is our emotions, right? our feelings, and so forth. And as we got into Scripture, we found out it has a lot more to do. Uh, it's a lot further, a lot bigger word, if you would, than just dealing with feelings. It has to do with the whole person, the totality, if you would, of, of our inner nature. It has to do with what we know. That's our mind, our thoughts, our imaginations, and, and our, our meditations, and our memory, and all those things. It has to do with uh, what we love, that's where our feelings come in, right? The things we want, the things we see, the things we feel. And it has to do with what we choose, uh, the things we say yes to, and the things we say no to, the things we submit to, and the things that uh, we resist. And you start putting that all together, it really, you, three main areas you think about when you're thinking about the heart and Scripture has to do with our mind, our desires, and our will. Our mind, our desires, and our will. And so that's what we're, the way this is going to kind of break down. Tonight we're going to dig into, and we started looking at it a little bit last week, but we're going to look into that first one, the mind. Our thoughts and the things we think. And, and then next week, uh, Lord willing, or in the weeks to come, we'll look at uh, the, the, our emotions, our feelings, or so forth. And, and then finally we'll look at our will. And so kind of breaking it down that way. So our working definition, if you look in your notes there, was the heart is the governing center of a person that reflects the unity of our inner being and complexity of our inner being composed of a mind, what we know, our desires, what we love, and our will, which is what we choose. And so tonight, let's dig a little more into the mind. Let's dig a little more into our thinking, if you would, 
Because if we're ever going to love, learn to love the Lord Jesus with all our heart, and the mind is one of the crucial components of our heart, then we better get control of that old mind. How many of you would just say right off the bat, I struggle with that? Anybody? I my hands up. The mind. <laughs> you know, they used to have a commercial that always said, you know, the mind's a terrible thing to waste, right? I, I'd just say it this way. The mind's just a terrible thing sometimes, period. And, uh, and so let's look tonight at the mind. And if you're, if you're kind of reading the book and it coincides, you're not going to have a lot of words that line up with the book. I, I'm, I'm kind of going to go through uh, my own message tonight. Same principles, same truths. Just a lot of it won't line up, except this first one. We're going to hit that right off the bat. The book talked about the sin of the mind. The sin of the mind. And, uh, and I like that was a fine terminology, the way they were. It made sense to me. And so we start thinking about that. When it comes to sin, we usually think of the action of sin, don't we? How many of you think of that right away? You think of sin, you think of something you did, or something I said, or something like that. Well, you know, Jesus talked about on the Sermon on the Mount two, two different illustrations he gave us. And... Uh, I think I gave it to you there in the notes. The first one was talking about the, how the sin is more than just the things we do or say. It, it really is a heart matter. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, he said this, You've heard it said of them of old time, that thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in the danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka shall be in danger of counsel. But whoever shall say, thou, sh thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. In other words, here's what Jesus is basically saying. He says, not just the murderer, the one who actually did the, the killing, shot somebody, stabbed somebody, took, uh, choked them out, whatever the method was. It's not just them. He said, but when we get angry with another person, another brother without a cause, he equated the two. There was a reason for that. And we'll talk about it a little more here in a minute. It wasn't just the physical act. It was... The sin that started in the heart. They were just as guilty. He went on and gave another illustration later in, in Matthew 5. And he talked about uh, the idea of adultery. And in verse 27, he said, You've heard that it was said of them by old time that thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. In other words, it wasn't just the ones who physically had affair that had sinned. It was anybody who had that lustful intent, if you would, that looked on another with lustful eyes and so forth. So both of those sins we're talking about here, Jesus equated to the physical act, were sins of the mind, weren't they? Sins of the heart. Sins of the mind, sins of the heart. Because uh, ultimately, in, in Scripture, the heart, uh, the sins of the heart are, come from the mind. So principle I gave you there, every sin has its origin in your heart. Wonderful principle. I told you the last part of that last week. Uh, before I ever thunk it, I what? Or before I d ever did it, I what? Thunk it. Isn't that great English? Amen. And uh, it'll help you, though. You'll remember that one. <laughs> uh, that's why the Bible says, Proverbs 4, verse 23, says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. It's interesting. You look up that word keep. It comes from a word that literally means to guard, to protect, to maintain. And so the, Bible, the, the Word of God tells us we've got to keep it. We've got to guard. We've got to maintain. We've got to protect our heart. In this case, talking about our mind uh, in, this, in this particular case. And so if our hearts or our minds are left unattended, or they're not under control, they're not guarded, they're not protected, maintained, if they're not brought under obedience to Christ, then it's going to affect not only what we think. This is the important part. If every sin has its origin in our heart, 
Not only is it going to affect what we think, it's going to affect what we say. It's going to affect what we do. Because every sin starts here in the mind of the heart. And that's what we're going to look at a lot tonight as we continue. So we said the sins of the mind, but here's the heart of where we'll get to. I want you to see the strongholds of the mind with me. And take your Bibles and turn with me over to 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. And the bulk of where we're going to be tonight, uh, the strongholds of the mind. Most of the time, if we get real honest, we think of strongholds. What would you think of? We think of addictions, don't we? We think of, right away, I think the, the word just almost coincides with the word addictions in our mind today. We think of alcohol or drugs or pornography or, or, or lust or you know, all these things that come to our mind. But can I tell you, all those things are really not the strongholds, biblically. All those things are manifestations of the stronghold. All those things are the outward action of, of the stronghold, if you would. And can I submit to you tonight? The real stronghold always is here in the mind. The mind of the heart that we're talking about tonight. It always starts there in the heart. Or as I like to call it, our stinking thinking. Anybody agree with that? We got some stinking thinking, right? <laughs> so how do we break it? If we're to bring every thought, and we're going to see that here in just a moment. Paul commands us to bring every thought into the obedience of Christ. If we're going to love the Lord God with all thy heart, that's the series, right? That's what we're studying. And we've got to get that mind under control. How do we get that mind under control? How do we do that? Well, we've got to hold these strongholds, and we're going to see that hopefully as we go tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. If you're there, say amen. So I know you're there. All right. Let's pick up our reading there. Uh, Paul writes, he says, for, the, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every what? Oh, there's that word, thought, to the obedience of Christ. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So when he's talking about strongholds here that we're talking that he's mentioning, what is stronghold? And we, if we're going to get control of our mind to, so we can love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind, and, and one of the issues that starts to happen is we can sometimes have bad thinking that leads to strongholds. What, what is a stronghold? Well, simply put, definition of stronghold is, is, stronghold is a place of protection. It refers to a fortress or a fortified city or castle or anything which relies, someone relies on for protection. Uh, the Bible illustration, you think about the city of Jericho. Uh, how many remember that account, right? The Israelites came to it after crossing Jordan. There was a stronghold. The entire city was, was surrounded by walls and so thick that historians would tell us that two chariots could pass and ride side by side or pass each other on top of the wall. It was so thick that people actually built houses inside of the walls. Enormous wall. Place of protection. That city was protected. No enemy no military weapons, and certainly in their day anyway, could even make a dent in the walls of Jericho, much less destroy it. There was no way for the enemy army to get into that city. A place of protection. 
They think about it. That was a stronghold. That's what the word literally means. They, they couldn't be destroyed inside. Verse 4, again, it tells us the weapons of warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. See, the Israelites had nothing in their arsenal that could have destroyed those roles. But thank God God did, amen? <laughs> and God's way of fighting a battle in His power instead of theirs and instead of ours is the best way. The, uh, when they followed God's plan, guess what happened? They marched around the city. Y'all know the account, right? You're a Sunday night crowd. Uh, seven times shouted in obedience to God, those indestructible walls. Guess what they did? They fell. They fell at the mighty hand of God. Can I tell you the same's available in our truth? If we quit trying to, how many of you are guilty of trying to handle everything your own way? <laughs> I certainly am. And we try to do it our own way. But if we follow God's way, even when sometimes it doesn't seem to make sense human-wise, uh, we can have the victory they had. So what is a stronghold? Place of protection. Y'all say that with me. Stronghold is a place of protection. Very good. So where is stronghold? The where of strongholds. How about this? We, we'll see it right here in our verse. Look at verse 5. The where of strongholds. Where, where, where is this located? Well, we're going to see it's right in our minds. Verse 5, Paul goes on to say that, uh, that, that using God's weapon resulted in casting down imaginations. Where's imaginations happen? Right here, yep. And bringing into captivity every what? Every thought, right? It's clear the place of strongholds exists or in our mind. Would y'all agree with that so far from the Word of God? And so pulling down strongholds then means pulling down, getting control of thoughts. Now it's interesting, you look up that word imaginations, and one of the things you'll find out is it comes from a word that literally means calculated thoughts. Calculated thoughts. So it's not like I'm just dreaming something here, maybe the way we would use the word today. It's literally, this is talking about calculated thoughts. In other words, thoughts I, I meant, I, I kept thinking about over and over, and I, let, and I just kept pondering on and pondering on and almost meditating on, but in a bad way in this case. Calculated thoughts. Anybody ever have those? <laughs> he says we had to bring them in, into obedience. It's wrong thinking is what he's talking about. Bring them into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So we, you'll see in your book, it talks. there's a chapter there that Christ is the Savior of the mind. That's what that verse is telling us. Hey, we got to take those, uh, those sins of the mind and those, those strongholds, those things that control our mind and keep us from loving the Lord God with all thy heart and mind and soul because we're not, fo we're not focusing right in our minds. And we got to bring them into obedience of Christ, who is the Savior and the prophet of the mind. So here's a, here's a principle I want you to get. I think I put it in your notes. Wrong thinking. Leads to wrong believing, right? Leads to wrong actions. You know what the world focuses on? Every time they're trying to correct something, the action. By the way, I'm not going to get political. It's not my, not my goal or place here. But when you focus on the action and that's what all your programs are designed to, to stop, guess what? You got a problem. Because the real stronghold, the real sins took place way back. In the mind, didn't it? Wrong thinking led to wrong believing, which leads to wrong actions. So if you're ever going to fix the actions, here's the, the key. you got to first fix the mind. And wrong thinking leads to what I call bad strongholds. And you say, what do you mean by bad? Because there could be good strongholds. We're going to see that here in just a moment. There's good and bad ones. Bad ones are ones based on faulty thinking. Uh, it's a faulty thinking pattern based on lies and deception and anything that we think about that's not true, if you would. And 
So a bad, uh, stronghold, it's not, we learned this, a calculated thought was one that we, or that, that ima- I'm sorry, the, what was the word that they used, that ima- imagination was a calculated thought. That was one we focused on and, and allowed to, to linger around uh, that idea. So when you talk about bad strongholds, it's, it's not a random thought that just happens to be wrong. We all have those from time to time. Anybody ever have something pop in your head? Just out of the blue? Hey, illogical, inaccurate, ungodly thought sometimes. You ever, you ever been in the middle of prayer? I, I'll just testify here. I mean, you're in the middle of prayer, and sometimes you're, you're, you're in there good, Right? You feel like you're really communing with the Lord. And all of a sudden, right out of the blue, just the most wicked thought popped in your head right in the middle of prayer. Where's that come from? Say, yeah, that's right. The old flesh and Satan, right? Just pops right in there. I'm going to tell you something. I'll, I'll free you up a little bit. Did you know this? You're not accountable for that little thought that just pops right in. You're accountable for what you do with it. I call those things that pop in like that. I call them ants. Oh, ants. You say, why ants? Automatic negative thoughts. How many of y'all have those? I mean, brain engaged and negativity hits, right? And, and they just pop in. It just, they just pop out of the blue. You're sitting there and life's great. And all of a sudden, bam, here comes this thought. And just pops in. But again, you're not responsible for what pops in your head. You're responsible for what you do that, with what pops in your head. It doesn't become a stronghold because it popped in. It becomes a stronghold because it popped in and you let it stay. Worse than that, you made it an imagination, a calculated thought, and you focused on it, and you spun it around over and over and over. You know what that becomes? A stronghold, a bad stronghold. We'll see what we call those here in just a moment. Dr. Bob Jones Sr. said this. He said, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can stop him from building a nest. That's the idea of the thoughts here. The defining strongholds. What is it? A place of protection. Where? It's in our mind. I want you to see next the dividing of the strongholds. The dividing of it. The truth is we all have them. It's a place of protection. It exists in our mind. We've learned that. And it can be bad. But by the way, it could be good. There's two types of strongholds. I call the good ones protection strongholds. And you, so what's a protection stronghold? A protection stronghold is, is, is truce based on the word of God. Hey, don't you agree? When we focus on the Word of God and we get that stronghold, that place of protection, how I many you know He wants to be our shield? He wants to be our refuge, the Bible tells us. And, and listen, that's a good place to be. That's a good thoughts to focus on and meditate on and continue on. And, uh, but there's, they're, they're formed off right thinking and they're based off truth. But the other one, the one we too often live in, is quite honestly not protection strongholds, but prison strongholds. Those are bad ones. They protect you too. Isn't that the definition of strongholds? A place of protection. So here's the key. Catch this. If I go to my protection strongholds, the ones based off the truth of the word of God, it protects me. What's it protect me from? Untruths. Bad things. Bad thoughts. By the way, if I have good thoughts, I'm thinking things that are true and pure, we'll see all that in a little bit. That's my thoughts. Then I'm not going to struggle with the sins that come from all those bad thoughts. If every sin has its origin in my heart and my thoughts are, I'm in this place of protection, the refuge and thinking things that are true, honest and pure and the things that are based on the word of God, it's protecting me from the bad. However, when I focus on the other, guess what happens? When I get myself in a prison stronghold, it's actually protecting me from getting the truth. 
It's a stronghold keeping you there. It's protecting you from the truth. You said, protecting me from the truth? Yeah, because you let yourself get there. The question is, really, which stronghold do you run to? Now, here's the key. When life smacks you in the face, you ever had that happen? <laughs> I mean, it does the, the three one. Pop, pop, pop. Always comes the threes, right? It isn't just one smack. It's three right in a row. And how about when disappointments come? And those thoughts pop in, because they do pop in. Every one of us pops in. We start thinking ways we shouldn't. If we run to the stronghold of, uh, of wrong thinking, listen, it's going to protect you from the truth. But if we're wrong to the stronghold of, of good thinking or the protection stronghold, it's going to protect me from the wrong thinking. So prison strongholds versus protection strongholds. When we run from the truth, we run to a prison stronghold. Here's where people get to. Let me give you some illustrations. People get to a place and say, God doesn't love me. Maybe you don't say it outside, but you think that sometimes. Maybe some bad things happen in their lives, and now they're living in that prison stronghold, and it's protecting them from the truth. Because what's God's Word say? God's Word says, I've loved thee with an everlasting love, right? God's Word says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And, and the truth of God's Word says, hey, in Psalm 34, verse 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. See, God didn't promise us to keep us from every trouble or that we wouldn't have trouble, but he promised to be there with us to take us through the trouble. The devil, the world, your, your unredeemed flesh even would, would, would tell you there's no hope, no help, no future, no good news. You ever been there? Wah, 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 woe is me, right? When we have the everlasting hope, hey, we're already seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Isn't that what the word of God says? Hey, listen, uh, uh, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Isn't that what the word of God says? You can't see those truths when you're over here, though, can you? We get all up in our mire and listen. It protects us from grabbing those truths because we get in that prison stronghold when we should have been in the protection stronghold. Because I'm going to tell you what, when you're in the prison stronghold, this is the key, put it back to the whole series, you'll never be able to love the Lord God with all that heart. So, because your heart's messed up. Your heart's been taken captive. Your heart has a stronghold built that's protecting you from the truth of where God wants you to be. And uh, that he, all that stuff he delivered us from. So what's a prison stronghold? A stronghold built off bad thinking. But thank God there's another one. It's called that protection stronghold. Uh, Nahum 1.7 says this, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He is our stronghold. He knoweth them that trust him. The Lord's my protection, my fortress, my righteous. I love the psalmist. Uh, said David said in eight, Psalm 18, verse 2, he said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress. He's my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler, the horn of my salvation, my high tower, and I will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised. And so shall I be saved from my enemies. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Psalm 46, verse 7 says, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, is our hiding place, our place of protection. So here's the question. Which one do you run to when the tough times come? The prison stronghold or the protection stronghold? The one based off lies and deceptions that imprisons your minds and protects you from getting the truth? Or do you run to a protection stronghold based on the unchanging word of God? Where do you go when you get down? Where do you go when you get discouraged? Where do you go when you get overwhelmed? 
and upset and anxious and feel sorry for yourself. You lose your temper when, when you want to let somebody have it. How many of you do that every once in a while, right? <laughs> when life isn't going your way. Do you fall into patterns of false thinking or do you hold on to the truth of the word of God? Are you committed to believing that God is good? The Bible is true no matter how you feel, no matter what the circumstances are. You know, we sometimes have this idea, and then we should. Please don't stay with me for a moment here. We get this idea and we hear somebody come and testify and We've been praying for somebody, and the Lord healed them, and you know they're, they're cancer-free. And we all clap, and what do we say right after that? God is what? Right? And he is, isn't he? <laughs> and we should praise that and thank God for that. Don't get me wrong. Don't miss where I'm going. But can I tell you something? What if he didn't cure them from cancer? What if they died? He's still good. See, God's not good because of what he does. God's good because of who he is. That's the protection stronghold. That says no matter what the answer is, God's still good. That's truth. But so many people live over here, well, he's okay if he did it. But if he didn't, then, well, God really loved me. He would have done that for me like he did to other people, right? We get ourselves in that spot. See the difference? Everybody with me so far? See, the battle is truly for our mind and in our mind. And ultimately then it's for our heart because the mind is part of our heart according to Scripture. We have a choice. Which one to go run to? The protection stronghold or the prison stronghold? The one with right thinking built on the truth of the Word of God and right thinking or the one built on lies? The government I read about did a huge study. This is true. It did a huge study which cost who knows how much money. Can I get an amen there? I'm trying, trying to be nice. And uh, Had one of the leading psych clinical psychologists write a summary of the whole study. It was the largest study of criminals ever done in the U.S. at the time. It resulted in a book that really exists called Inside the Criminal Mind. Don't buy it because I'm going to give you the whole summary right now. <laughs> this is a conclusion. Now get, get to this. From a secular, non-Christian psychologist... After reviewing all the data of all the criminals and all the people who commit crimes, and, and, here's, and here's what he decided. Here's what's the summary. He goes, it was because of the way they think. Everybody else tell you, no, it's because of the way they brought up. But no, this, this is, again, not a Christian point of view. This was a secular, he wrote a book called Inside the Criminal Mind. said, ultimately, the people commit crimes by, because of why they think. Unless they change the way they think, this is their words, will never change their behavior. Could have saved them a lot of money, you know. <laughs> Could have read the Bible. As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. And God told us that truth a long time ago. The defining strongholds. What is it? Place of what? Protection. Can it be good? Yeah, if we run to the right one, right? If it's based on truth, it can be bad too. Where is it? In our mind. What are imaginations? Those are those thoughts that we allow to linger and over and over, calculated thoughts. And the dividing of it, protection strongholds versus prison. So how do we discern now? We've been talking about the dividing of it and the defining of it, but how do we discern strongholds? Where do strongholds come from? Every stronghold starts with a thought or an idea. 
And that's all it is at first, I thought. But if we allow it to remain, it becomes ingrained in our mind. Eventually, it becomes a foundation of what we believe. Do you know those people, politicians know this. That's why they use those taglines. You ever hear it? If I say the same thing over and over and over again, if you hear the exact same thing over and over again, people start to believe it's true. Well, everybody says that. Well, everybody says it except first person did, and they said, here's our campaign slogan, do it over and over and over and over and over again. And people will start to believe because they know this simple principle. Listen, it'll become ingrained in my mind if we allow it to sit there over and over and over. In other words, hey, the bird doesn't just fly over our head. Hey, we let it build a nest. That's what I'm talking about here. There's thoughts that we ingrain over and over and over. Uh, truth is, a thought only becomes a stronghold when we embrace it and we allow it to remain in our mind like it's a truth. I read about this, <laughs> uh, this lady one time and I shouldn't use to me illustration, I got too much to cover. But uh, this lady one time, and she was scared to death about somebody breaking in their house. Somebody's going to break in her house. So every night, I mean, they go to bed every night, she'd make her husband get up, go downstairs, and go check the front door and make sure that door's locked. So, because she's afraid there's going to be an intruder or somebody's going to come in and rob them. So every night. And she, half the time she'd wait till he done laid down and got comfortable. He had to get up and go down there and check. And, and he did this year after year after year. Finally went downstairs one night. And to his surprise, he goes and there's a burglar there inside their house. He couldn't believe it. Some, she, maybe she was right. And he looked at her, looked at that burglar and said, Would you come upstairs with me? My wife has been waiting for years to meet you. <laughs> Sometimes we can just do it over and over in our mind, right? <laughs> so how can we tell if we have a stronghold? Let's get down to where the rubber meets the road here. Again, a thought only becomes a stronghold if we embrace it. If we allow it to remain in our mind like it's a truth. You ever been guilty of that? Assuming something, building it up, getting this whole weird concoction and story built up in your mind to the point it almost becomes a truth even though it's not. How do I determine if I have one of these strongholds? By the way, bad one, prison stronghold. Let me give you a couple of application things here and we'll roll on. If your mind keeps focusing on an event from the past, this is where we quit saying amen and quit saying oh me, right? <laughs> For all honest, we'll admit there's certain places that our minds sometimes go to, things that have happened in our past to us. Maybe something terrible happened to you. Uh, I'm not minimizing that. Some injustice you, you suffered or maybe things just didn't turn out right or like you thought it was going to. You wish you had done something different or other things had worked out different. And, but listen, when we go back and over and over and over in our mind, guess what it starts to become? That prison stronghold. You know God doesn't want us to dwell on past hurts. He wants us to dwell on Him, doesn't He? When we dwell on past hurt, guess what? Then our mind's not focused on Him. We're not, and so we're not praising him the way we should we're not we're not worshiping him and serving him the way we should and we're certainly not loving him with all our heart then are we when we let our minds go there see how this all kind of ties together that's why the bible focuses so much on talks about the heart it's really our mind and and anytime you're unhappy with the past event it's a huge warning listen if you got bitterness or envy or anger or some unscriptural attitude in your mind it's because you've allowed a prison stronghold to develop Another one I want to give you, if you're committed to unscriptural thinking and actions, it's okay to 
commit adultery, run around, whatever, cheat, lie, steal, all those things. I mean, everybody else does it. It's no big deal. You ever, you ever hear people justify things because of that? Well, everybody else is doing it. If you don't, wait till you get teenagers. Somebody say amen. <laughs> I mean, it's it permeated our society. It's to be real honest. Turn on the talking heads. Again, I'm trying not to stay away from political, but sometimes it intersects, right? It's a woman's choice. No, it's not. What about the babies, right? I want to identify something other than what God made me. You hear it over and over enough. Listen, unscriptural thinking. Start to justify it. Go talk to people and co- young kids in college now. They're indoctrinated with this stuff. I mean, ones that grew up in church, good young folks. And they're coming out questioning everything they've ever believed. The world system's after them. They're getting them into this false thinking that's leading them into a prison stronghold which protects them from the what? The truth. See how that, that always happens that way. If you have unscriptural thinking, if you, you're trying to just, you know, if you have un- things that you think that, that you know, the black and white scripture says, uh, says this, but I don't know about that. I think, blah, blah, blah. Let me just help you real quick. The Bible's right, you're wrong. <laughs> it's just that simple, amen? Uh, people that get those unscriptural beliefs in their heads, you know them. No matter how much scripture you show them, that contradicts, they won't change their mind, will they? Why? Prison strongholds where they're living. They've allowed it to become that. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, Paul said this, Wherefore, putting away lie, put away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. And then he finishes verse 27 with this, Neither give place to the devil. Neither give place to the devil. I don't want to Greek you to death. I did, did study a little bit at one time, though. And the Greek word there, place, comes from the word topos. Now, you would know it as typography. How many of you have heard of a ty- typographical map? You know, the one where you see mountains and you can see all that stuff they draw. That's where the word comes from. So it's the study of, a, when you think about that, it's a study of specific places and features of the earth. When you're talking about topography, it's a mapping term, if you would. So that Greek word literally means a place, a place on the map. And so when the Bible says, don't give the devil a place, or, that, or when, we, when we give the devil a place, what it's saying is we're allowing him to have a place, a, a place to work from on the map of our life. When we, when we lie, when we do all these things and we let the sun go down upon our wrath and we, we live there with that, that, that mindset that doesn't honor God in, in our mind. and We're giving a place to work from against us. Think about it. If you're saved, he can't possess you. How many of you are thankful for that? Amen. But we can give him a place to, of influence to work from. You see how it starts to go become this snowball running downhill really fast? I'll start with just a thought that I allowed to linger that wasn't true. That, that wasn't scriptural, wasn't based on the word of God. Next thing I know, boy, I'm stuck in this stronghold. Next thing I know, I'm giving the devil a place to work from. Now Now he's got a place to work from. Now I'm having more problems. Now I'm having more problems. Boom, 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 boom. You can see why people get so discouraged. See why people get so down when they get away from the truth of the word of God and their personal relationship with Christ. It can happen by the way. It happens to preachers. If you don't think it does, hey, you, one, I'm going to just share with you uh, a real honest thing from you. Uh, I'm sure pastor would say it, probably not, maybe not in a big setting like this, but uh, sometimes, if we're not careful, we can be so involved in making messages that we forget to spend time with the messenger. 
Every one of us got to have that personal walk. One of the one of the times, listen, one of my lowest times in my Christian walk after I was saved was while I was pastoring. I was so busy, five messages a week. I was, listen, I was doing Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and I was preaching at RU on Friday nights. Five messages of preparation a week. You can think about the time that took just to get the messages prepared, much less deliver them and do everything else administratively you had to do as a pastor. I was in the Word every day. But let me tell you, it wasn't really in me because I was focused on getting the message done instead of spending time with the messenger. So, listen, it can happen to everybody. That's all I'm trying to say. It can happen. You can read your Bible every day and check off your list and say, I, I read my seven chapters. By golly, I'm going to read my Bible through again this year. But if it didn't get into you and you didn't spend time with him, it was just an exercise. Are you, are you with me? And obviously it can happen for folks who aren't even talking to God and spending time with them. So here, here's what I'm just trying to say. I'm just trying to say, listen, uh, we can give the devil a place no matter what we're doing. And Thank God, listen, when we get, uh, the, uh, thank God that he'll, he'll, he'll forgive us and bring us back. Amen. So we're talking about how do I know if I have a stronghold? Back to, the, back to where I was. I don't even know where I was going with that. Your, your mind keeps focusing on an event from the past. You ever been there? Sometimes you try to justify or commit to unscriptural thinking and, and, and justify it in some way. Or you resist the Word of God. That's the third one. That's, that's getting all the way. I know Scripture says, yeah, but. You ever heard somebody say that? I know it says that, yeah, but. <laughs> you agree it's true, but for some reason you don't think it applies to your situation. Anytime we resist the Word of God, hey, it's indication we have a stronghold. Let me give you a fourth one and we'll roll on. How about this one? You focus on the actions of others to defend your own behavior. Yeah, sometimes we laugh at the kids and kids run maybe through the sanctuary and a parent, you hear a parent say, don't run in the sanctuary. Right? Shh, don't run in the sanctuary. You're my kid. You're embarrassing me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> What's the kid say? But they were the kids they're running with. They don't understand why you're getting on them. They, they got to run free and nobody said anything to them. And we laugh at that. But we don't see the exact same thing. We look at everybody else and say, well, I'm not as bad as them. Uh, you know, <laughs> reminds me of a guy. Well, there was a bunch of drunks. The first man said, well, I drink, but I don't get drunk. The second man says, I get drunk, but I'm not a mean drunk. The third man said, well, I may be a mean drunk, but I, I don't beat my wife. The fourth man said, well, I beat my wife, but at least I don't cheat on her. Everybody found somebody else worse to justify their behavior, right? We do that all the time if you have a stronghold. Truth is, all of them are wrong, right? The discerning of strongholds. And do you have one tonight? You don't have to say that out loud. But if we be honest, we've all struggled with it from time to time in that prison stronghold. If you're there now, i got some help for you. I'm glad he, Christ came to destroy them. Amen? So we see the dividing of it, but look, look at this one with me, the destroying of it. Look at verse number 4 back in our text. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So how can we, ex how can we access these weapons of God that it's talking about? What can we do if we find ourselves in that prison stronghold that if we'd all be honest, we've been in before? Are you with me? How do we get out of it when we get there? How do we destroy it when we've allowed the enemy to establish it in our lives? Let me give you a couple practical things and some application here. Number one, you've got to acknowledge it. That's number one. 
You got to admit it. First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and, and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How many of you are thankful for that one? <laughs> Amen. I, uh, the bar of soap for the Christian that's messed up. Amen. We can get clean again. But to understand this verse, I think you first need, we need to first understand the word confess. The word confess there doesn't, isn't just saying I'm sorry. You ever had somebody tell you you're sorry, but you got the impression they didn't mean it whatsoever? <laughs> Sometimes we're like that with God. Most of the time we're usually sorry we got caught, right? We just usually you just want the problem to go away. It wasn't acceptance for the responsibility what happened. They just acknowledged something was wrong. The word confess there literally means to agree with God. It comes from the word homo logos, and here's the word. Homo means like. Everybody with me there? So I always say homosexual, like sex, right? Logos means word. Here's what it means. Like word. We're going to say the same thing God says about what we're confessing. In other words, we're going to agree with God about what we did. We're taking his side against ourselves. You ever done that? Picture yourself in a court of law. And, and uh, we just watched this law series anyways. And so picture yourself over here. You're the defendant. And they're accusing you of all kinds of wrong things. And you think you're going to go in there and defend yourself, right? And against these things, or maybe rightful things they're accusing you of. Here's what the idea of confess is. I get up from this table and come over here with the prosecutor and said, Yep, he's right. That guy's wrong over there. And you take their side, God's side, against yourself even. When you think of confess, it's more than just admitting. That's what I'm trying to say. It literally is, say the same thing God said about your sin. View it as God's did. Take God's side against yourself. Listen, since the Garden of Eden, we've been practicing blaming everybody else, right? Adam blamed God. Y'all know the old story, right? And uh, I mean, uh, uh, Adam blamed God and Eve, and Eve blamed the serpent, and he didn't have a leg to stand on. Now you know how that goes on and so forth. <laughs> if you're ever in court and you heard somebody take a plea agreement, you know what they had to do to take that? They admit they did it. And then they take that plea agreement. Acknowledging, taking their side against it. I was preaching one time in a prison, and and a man explained to me how he had stolen his neighbor's Ford truck. But he went on to say it really wasn't his fault. And I want you to get this. This is a true story. In fact, he told me it was the government's fault. The government was to blame. I said, man, this ought to be a good one. So I encouraged him to tell me this story. I want to hear it. And, uh, he said he was well, going to college, and he applied for a grant. But when it came time to register a school, the grant hadn't come through, so he had to steal the truck to, to sell it to get the money to pay for the school bill. So therefore, it was the government's fault. <laughs> now, he was not acknowledging that his thinking was wrong, right? You know, it's never right or justified to steal a truck, no matter what's happened, right? Especially if it's a Ford. I'm going to get muted back here right now. <laughs> Jamie just muted me. Nobody else is going to hear it. <laughs> That's not the idea of confess. The idea of confess is, I agree with you, God. I was wrong. Hey, we've got to acknowledge it. We've got to confess it. And Thank God, though, when we get it right, God's order, his setup is really clear. He's faithful to forgive us when we confess our sins and agree with him. First step of destroying a stronghold, you've got to acknowledge it. You've got to acknowledge it. But here's the next step. This is important we got to attack it. We have to attack it. What do I mean by attack it? 
the Bible said the weapons of our warfare. Do you notice that it didn't say the weapons of be nice about your issue? The weapons of our warfare, it pictured the war. We're in a spiritual warfare here. And we have the weapons for pulling down or destroying that stronghold. It's going to take war. And since it's based on wrong thinking, where's that war got to take place? It takes place in the mind. It's got to be destroyed in the mind. So many times people will say, I just can't help how I feel or what I think and my thoughts. And I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. You're just saying your stronghold's got you. Because I can do all things through Christ Jesus which strengthens me, right? You just got yourself in a prison stronghold when you said, I can't. Are you a child of God or not? Grab the promise from over here in the protection stronghold that says, yes, I can with Christ. Uh, see the difference? Paul said, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. Any thought in your mind that exalts itself against the truth of God's word, you need to bring in captivity and bring it under every thought to the obedience of Christ. That means every time we have a wrong thought, every time we got to attack it as a wrong thought. Destroying a stronghold is not a passive concept. Hey, when, it, when a thought comes to your mind, you need to check it out. Is it accurate? Is it true? The best way to keep a bird from building a nest is, hey, don't give it any material to build from, right? <laughs> when you have wrong thoughts, attack it immediately. If you go to Ephesians 6, we won't do it for the sake of time, but y'all know the whole, the whole uh, putting on the armor of God, the whole section there. And sometimes we treat that like it's a wonderful little kids thing we teach to our kids. I tell you, that has more for adults than anything else in the Bible. Talking about putting on the armor. Hey, the spiritual battle we're in. But you know this? You go through all those armor, all the stuff, the breastplates of righteousness and all the stuff we're putting on, on the armor of God. Out of all that, all of that's defensive except one. So here, if we're going to attack, we got to go on the offensive. What was the offensive weapon? Y'all know? The sword of the spirit, which is the what? Word of God. Uh, I attack it with truth. I attack it with the sword of the spirit, with the word of God. That's our weapon against false ideas when they come in. Paul said this, Romans 12, 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? Mind. Where does transformation take place? Here. Ephesians 4, 23 says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. How do we get transformed, renewed in our mind? How, how do we get control of these thoughts that sometimes put us in the prison stronghold? Well, Philippians 4.8, uh, I think I gave it to you in your, in your notes, but if I didn't flip there for just a moment, because this is the application of it, it, it says this, Paul sits there and he says, Finally, brethren, he says, Whatsoever things are true, Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, if there, whatsoever things are good report, there be any virtue, if there be any praise, he says this, think on these things. All those words that he uses is a picture, really, of the Word of God, if you think about it. Things that are true, Word of God. Things that are honest, Word of God. That's the sword of the Spirit. Things that are just, Word of God. Things that are pure, Word of God. Things that are lovely, the Word of God. Hey, things that are good report, Word of God. Full of virtue, full of praise. Word of God, Word of God, Word of God. So our thoughts should be just like the Word of God, not like the world. And we need to put our thoughts to the test of that. So ask yourself this. Are there thoughts that I have? Put it through what I, I just call it the filter of Philippians 4.8. 
How do I make sure I don't have the thoughts that get me in the prison stronghold? And I keep thoughts that keep me over here in the protection stronghold. Well, when that thought pops in, remember, we're not accountable for it popping in. We're accountable for letting it stay or not and build a nest. Ask it. Put it through the filter and say, Philippians 4.8, is this thought I'm having right now true? That's the first one. Is it true? Paul didn't say, don't quit, try to work on, quit thinking about the bad things. Did y'all notice that? No, he just told us, think on the right things. Because guess what? If we try to quit thinking about the bad things, guess what our mind's doing? Thinking about the things we're trying to think about, not thinking about. Say it six times, you'll get it down. (laughs) Which makes us think about them even more. Paul said, that's not the answer. The answer is, think on these things. Number one, is it true? Put that thought. When it pops in your head, is this thought even true that I'm having right now? Can I rely on it? You know, our generation today doesn't ask, is it true? They just ask, does it work, right? Don't allow anything consciously to dwell in your mind that isn't true. Don't entertain it. Don't dwell on it. Don't let it be a part of it. Treat it like the ant that it is. You know what I do with ants when they show up? You can do what you want, and I'm going to get peed after me. I take my foot, and I stomp every one of them that I can get hold of. Do you? They showed up at your picnic. Did you invite them to your picnic? Did you send invitations to them? No, they just show up. Rants, automatic negative thoughts. They just show up. Squash them like the bug that they are. Is this thought I'm having true? No, if not, squash it. Just like an ant. It's got to go. Got to go. I don't want to get stuck over here. I want to be in the protection stronghold. Not true. I'm not thinking about it. I'm thinking on things true. Lord, you are truth. Amen. Sanctify them with truth. For the Lord is truth and the word of God is truth. How about this one? The second one, he said, is it honest? And you study that one out, that word honest there literally means honorable. Don't let dishonorable things get in your mind. Are these thoughts that I'm having, are they worthy of even your respect? Don't let thoughts that are dishonorable and not honest come in your mind. Squash them like an ant if they do. If it ju- is it just? That word just means straight. Literally as opposed to crooked. You know why rivers go like this? Ask the least resistance. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard. That's why he said you got to attack it. we got to attack it. But don't let anything crooked enter your mind. Paul says there's certain things that shouldn't even get through the gate. If it's unreliable, disrespectful, don't even let it through the gate of the mind. Test your thoughts. If it does get through, squash it. Is it pure? Literally means free from contamination. It came from a word that, that, that described many times the, back in the old days the animals that he would use for worship. You know, it had to be pure, right? They would bring in the, the purest ones, the one without defects, if you would, is the idea of the word that, that comes from. And, and so I like to think of it this way. Could I take this thought? Here's how I know if it's pure or not. Could I worship God with this thought I'm having right now? That's what the word came from. I'm going to tell you what, about 98%, I wish I could say probably, or I wish I could say it wasn't true, that pops in my head would be no. How about you? Guess what? I need to get that thought out of here. If I couldn't worship him with it, it needs to go. Could I think, could I take that thought and say, Lord, I worship you with this thought? See, that's putting it through the filter. That's, that's, that's building the protection stronghold, saying it's not true, it's not just. Uh, it can't stay. It can't stay. Is it lovely? That was the other word he used. Literally means, does this cause me to love? Or does this thought cause me to criticize? Does this thought cause me to be, bring division? 
Or does this thought cause me to bring people together? Does it cause me to be positive and build up somebody or tear down something? If it's negative, if it doesn't cause you to love, listen, it's got to go. Squash them. How you doing with your thoughts? Is it a good report? Literally, it's a musical term if you go study that one out. It means to think on things that are high tone, things that are on pitch, that sound refined, and, and so forth. Be kind of like anything but my singing. Amen. <laughs> you ever notice sometimes they, when they tune instruments or what do you call them, orchestras get together, they got a tuning fork, and they all tune to the same thing. They all want to be on that same pitch together. That's the idea of good report. And uh, Does this thing sound good? Is it refined? Is it, and so forth. That, that'll shut down gossip. That's what that'll do. Huh. Gossip spreads bad reports. So the question is this. It's this thought I'm having. Does it cause me to build up somebody? Does it cause good report? Or does it criticize and spread bad ones? Put, your, put all your thoughts through the filter of Philippians 4.8. That's taking action. That's attacking. So I can make sure I don't get into this prison stronghold over here. You know, if we give as much energy, I said we, by the way, if we give as much energy to dwell on the Word of God as we do on the negative thought, I think it would transfer our life, transform our lives. Would you agree with me? If I would give as much energy to the Word of God and the truths of God as I do sometimes to my negative thoughts, I'll just personalize it. I know it would transform my life. I've had moments where I work it and practice it and, and put it through the filter, and i got other moments where I sit over here in my own stinking prison of my own doing because I let my own thoughts put me there. We're going to love like Jesus with all our heart. One of the primary components of our hearts, our mind, and our mind makes up our thoughts. Then we've got to get our minds right. You see why that was so important? We need to cast down strongholds of bad thinking. Take every thought into captivity and bring every thought into obedience of Christ. We literally need to run every thought through the Filter Philippians 4.8. Continuously think on things that are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report. That's what being renewed in the spirit of your mind is all about. Then and only then are we ready to take that first facet of what our heart means in Scripture and love the Lord God with all our heart because we could have uh, taking guard, taking protection of the mind of our hearts. Now, we still got more to deal with because we learned our heart has to do with our mind, the things we think, but it also has to do with our desires, the things we love, and ultimately our will, the things we choose. So the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at our desires, we're going to look at our will, and then Lord willing, we'll look at how to guard it all, maybe as our last lesson. So with all your heart, if we're going to love him with all our heart, it starts with getting control of our stinking thinking, of our minds. Father, we sure do love you tonight. We we thank you, Lord, that you don't just tell us, Lord, when we're off. You tell us how to fix it. And Lord, I pray that we'd put some effort into this and get in control of our thoughts and thinking only on things that are pure and true and, Lord, honest and of good report. And Lord, taking every thought into captivity. Is this true? Then let's, let's, let's meditate on it and think on it. If it's not, let's squash it like an ant. Lord, help us to stay out of the prison strongholds that we put ourselves in and help us to live in the protection stronghold that you provide for us as our refuge, as our strength, as our stronghold.
and our high tower. Lord, because only then can we fulfill the greatest commandment, which is to love the Lord God with all thy heart. Help us to, be, help us to grow in that area, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you. Have a good night.